time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Yes, it does, Chad Erickson. Thank you for that introduction, and good to have you all with us on this Friday edition of the show. Robin Lumberg, my old buddy from our ESPN Radio New York days, will stop by. He's with SI Now, also uh, the Needle Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we'll get into some NBA and wrestling talk with him because the Royal Rumble is this weekend, and there's so much crazy news going on right now with WWE. Start of the week, the Netflix deal. End of the week, Vince McMahon doing God knows what um, to get himself in more hot hot water. We'll get into that uh, coming up. We'll also have Paige versus the Prince, our AFC and NFC championship game picks, myself and Sam Yarnell. Odds and ends, all that good stuff. Uh, but we do start things out in the NFL. Our good friend Jason Cole is here. He does a terrific job uh, on all things football. He's also a Hall of Fame selector. I want to actually ask you something before I get into the football stuff, because we had the baseball. We had the baseball Hall of Fame announcements this week. And as somebody that's obviously intimately involved with the with the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the way they do it, what do you make of the way I'm not asking you to knock baseball one way or the other. I don't know what your opinion on it is. The way baseball chooses its Hall of Famers versus the way the NFL does it. I don't think there's a Hall of Fame uh, induction or decision that gets more coverage than baseball does or gets more conversation than baseball does. What do you make of the difference between football and baseball and the way they go about it? Um, a good question. I, I, look, I would say to people who complain about the football system, right, because I get a lot, a lot of people who's like, this guy should be in, you guys are terrible, you don't know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Thank you. Can we now move on to the question of, if not us, then who and, and how? And people come up with all sorts of of systems, and I go, okay, well, did you realize the flaw of this one? And they go, well, uh, and I go, did you realize the flaw of this one? You know, like, you only want Hall of Famers to vote, right? You realize, like, most of them don't watch the game. Right. You realize most of them just have their buddies and friends and guys like I always say to people who complained about T.O. not getting into the Hall of Fame in the first two years that he was on the ballot. And I looked at him and said, if it was up to Hall of Famers, guys who are already in, T.O. would never get in the Hall of Fame. Do you understand that? So complain all you want about us. We're not really the problem. All right. The problem is with guys who wait is it's about the guys who have to wait. It's about them, not about us. Mm. So I don't have a problem with their system. I like our system in that we get together and we argue about things pretty openly um, and say, yeah, I like this about this guy. I like this about this guy. You test different theories and, and say, you know, this guy's better than this guy for for these reasons. We have a hard time sorting that. Whatever be. And there's a lot of discussion. There are a lot of arguments that come out, right? And you think about those. Whereas in a baseball system, there's not open discussion. There's obviously writing about it. Mm. Writing about it is not the same thing as somebody standing up and going, I believe in guy for the following reasons, and you should really understand why. I know cameras make everything worse and they change human behavior. But in the case of the NFL, because of the way you do it, I'd almost love to see a camera in the room 
where these debates, where these conversations happen. Because, uh, especially amongst people like yourself, who are almost historians of the game. You know, I have Russell Baxter on from time to time. He's another guy. A historian of the game. I would love to see what those conversations are like in those rooms, in those moments where you're going to bat for your guy. Yeah, but then there's the times when you have to criticize again. And that's where... And and criticism always gets squelched, right? When things are held in a public forum, because the people who support that person shout you down. I mean, if you know, we've seen this from modern politics over the last eight years. Uh, you, if you say something against a candidate or person, or whatever, you get shouted down by the other side, and you get ripped apart. Yeah. And you get torn apart. And so as much as I think you're right and it would be really interesting, I think it would it would also work against the idea of like this is you know, this is a good open debate. It would work against people being truly, truly honest about how they felt about a candidate and bringing up sometimes the negatives about a candidate. Um, when we talk about this, this NFL offseason and this coaching class, could you have imagined a scenario where both Pete Carroll and Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick would all not be coaching in the league next year? Because it looks like that could happen. Uh, no. I would have bet, you know, if you told me that, I would have been betting against it. Um, I'm shocked that those three are not going to be coaching next year. That's a lot of... That's a lot of football knowledge. That's a lot of institutional football knowledge that has been lost in one offseason. Now, I conceptualize why Bill Belichick did not get the Atlanta job because I know the factors in play. Okay. Um, I know, you know, he hasn't interviewed for a job in 25 years. He probably walks in to a certain extent. Um, while he can be charming, is still curmudgeonly. Right. And if you've ever been around the Atlanta organization, they're not curmudgeonly. They're they're all about sell, sell, sell. Like there's a lot of marketing, yeah, marketing people there, like, let's sell this product. Let's hey, we're about the Falcons. We're, you know, up with people in Atlanta and like like let's go. We have positive energy and we have this and we have that. And he doesn't fit into that sort of corporate marketing branding element that Arthur Blank has invested a lot of money in, right? He's not shiny, happy people, all right? <laughs> and Raheem Morris is shiny, happy people. Raheem Morris is a, a morning energy drink, right, that gets you going for the day. Um I love Raheem Morris, and I'm glad he got a job, okay, because I think he needs another chance um, to be a head coach in this league. But, like, if if you're talking about, like, who do I want to sit at a bar and, and have a drink with and have some laughs with, it's Raheem Morris. Yeah. Who do I want to run my organization because I want to win football games? It's, it's Bill Belichick. As long as, and I understand this, conditionally, do I have a quarterback and do I have a quarterback who can put up with Bill? Yeah. Like you, you need you need a Tom Brady who can understand 
how he runs his business. Um, I want to I ha- hold you over for one more segment. We'll talk more about the coaching stuff, the conference championship games as well. We're hanging out with Jason Cole. This is Sports Wrap. Hi, friends. Richard Karn here. Now, I'm known as the guy who can fix just about anything, but the technology in most appliances requires very special training to fix. My point is, even I know when I've met my match, and that's why my family has Choice Home Warranty. So we won't get stuck with high-priced repairs. Choice Home Warranty covers over 25 major home systems and appliances. That's your AC, heating, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and so much more. Imagine for less than a cup of coffee a day, Choice Home Warranty can help protect you from expensive major system and appliance breakdowns that your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover. But you have to call now before it's too late. Every homeowner should have Choice Home Warranty. Your homeowner's insurance is not going to cover your appliances. Washing machine, dryer, refrigerator, air condition. If I had any issues arise, they were able to take care of it immediately. Now, homeowner's insurance won't protect you when your home's major systems and appliances break down due to normal wear and tear. But Choice Home Warranty will. They can help cover repairs and replacements. Choice Home Warranty is the best warranty we've ever used. It would save you so much money in the long run. Hey, I'm not the only one raving about Choice Home Warranty. They were named a Best Home Warranty Company and Best Claim Service by U.S. News 360 Reviews. Call Choice Home Warranty now and get access to a nationwide network of over 15,000 technicians and the latest appointment-setting technology so you'll know when they're on their way. If I have an issue with an appliance or something around the house, I just call up Choice Home Warranty and I don't have to worry about that. So... Do what this old DIYer did and call Choice Home Warranty now before something breaks down. Tell them I sent you and get your first month free. Call Choice Home Warranty before it's too late and get protection for your heating, AC, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances and more. Call for your free quote today. Call in the next five minutes and get your first month free. 800-491-5032. 800-491-5032. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. Sports Wrap rolls on on this Friday. Robin Lumberg coming up in about 10 minutes from SI Now. Also, the Needle Wrestling Podcast. Robin Lumberg channel on YouTube. All that good stuff uh, we'll get into with him. Hanging out with our man Jason Cole. Hall of Fame football, uh, football Hall of Fame selector. Author of Shut Up, Your Kid Is Not That Great. It's somewhere behind me. Oh, there it is. In the back. I know, I know, I know, I know, I I know, I got to move it up. I got to move. I'm running out of room on the shelves behind me. I thought this shelf would be able to fit everything I wanted in the well, back. Well, can't you just put it in that, in that frame that has page and zero, zero, zero. <laughs> we, could, we could hide it. We could hide it in the corner. I, I got it. Um, we're talking football with, with Jason Cole on the show, and we'll get into the conference championship games here in a second. Uh, just to finish the thought on, on Belichick and sort of where he is now. Could one year turn into the end? Like, could one year? Because I, I, it feels that's what it feels like to me. That if he didn't get hired in this offseason, people were going to move on from him. 
Probably 72. I mean, I think it takes a special kind of owner who's an independent thinker. I mean, that was the person who hired in the first place, Robert Kraft. It takes somebody who's powerful. Um, and it takes a team that has a coach, has a quarterback that's ready to, to win. Like I thought that actually the best place for him was um, the Chargers. Um, but they made a great hire in getting Harbaugh, you know, which is, you know, you're talking about 1A, 1B between Belichick and Harbaugh, guys that you would want to get. Now, I would want Belichick. But Harbaugh is 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 right behind him, and if you're looking for a guy who can maybe last for ten years, you know Harbaugh is obviously the better bet, right? So, yeah, um, like there aren't a lot of places he can go. There aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of owners who are going to sort of tolerate his his power needs and all those other things that go along with hiring coach with all of that. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, maybe the New York Giants, if Dayball doesn't work out next year, you know, maybe they come back with Belichick. I can see that. Maybe there's a couple. There's probably a couple other places. Is there the Jets? Is there a team? The Jets? Is there too much water under the bridge? I, I think there's too much. I don't think Woody can do that. And, I, and look, I don't think Belichick's going to want to work for Woody unless he's completely desperate and, and breaking Shula's record really means that much to him. I just don't see a reunion. Um, with the Jets, but that said, Woody resigned Darrell Revis, um, you know, after he got rid of Revis, so he's been willing to change his mind if he thinks that Belichick can sell a bunch of tickets. He'll go, he'll go, he'll go and get Belichick. So we'll see how this one plays out, but I don't see a lot of places where where he where Bill can end up going. Um, give me a thought on these conference championship games. Let's start with uh, the Chiefs. Obviously, and the Ravens uh, in Baltimore. I, look, I, until somebody shows me they can beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, I'm sticking with them. I, I'm sticking with Kansas City in this game. I think the Chiefs win a close game. I could see it being a field goal game either way. Uh, we talked about it a bit on the show yesterday. We'll talk about it in Page versus the Prince. I want to know what you think. My first thing you did, I did think about one thing about Belichick, and I would just say the Philadelphia sure. Eagles with with Sirianni mm-hmm. in that situation. Um, if that doesn't pan out in another year, you could see uh, Jeff Lurie doing that. Okay. All right. uh, moving on to Kansas State, Baltimore. Look, the math overwhelmingly tells you Baltimore. All right. If you do the you know yards per play and you know differentials and defensive performance against like teams and all the other stuff, it tells you Baltimore overwhelmingly, um, and that and that Lamar Jackson has improved enough. The thing that changes the math so much for me is, look, if Kansas City just catches the ball this year at a reasonable rate and doesn't lead the league in in drops, that changes the math on stuff that we, we've talked about. And last week, they did catch the ball, right? Valdez Scantling, big, big catch down the sideline. That was a contested catch. Other 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 plays, they didn't have obvious drops and obvious mistakes, so they played clean football last week. And on top of all that, yeah, it's Patrick Mahomes, and it's Patrick Mahomes with the best defense the Chiefs have ever had during the Mahomes era. I think this is a great game, and it's hard to it's hard to figure out how it goes. But if you tell me at the end of the day, Baltimore wins by fourteen points, I'm not surprised. If you tell me Kansas City wins by ten points. I'm not surprised. So I have a hard time seeing how this one plays out. It is a huge game for Lamar Jackson, though. 
It feels like he's, it also feels to me like he's reignited that connection with, with Travis Kelsey here to start the postseason because it just felt like something was off between the two over the last four or five games of the season. And it just feels like they've gotten that figured out. Well, look, the biggest problem that Kelsey had all season is that the outside receivers, nobody respected them. Mm-hmm. Right. So if they don't respect them, like he's getting all the coverage and they're forcing him to do different things to try and get open. And they're, they're changing up looks and they're able to do a lot of things that distract both him and Mahomes. Right. So the synergy is not the same because the defense can focus on, let's take away this one guy. Right. Okay. The Rashi Rice kid is pretty nice, but like we're not scared of him because they don't have anybody over the top or anybody who's running through mm-hmm. through the defense. They didn't have a, they didn't this season, the regular season, they didn't have a Juju Smith Schuster who could just yep. make the requisite catches. Well, that changed in this last game. And then, you know, as, as a result, Kelsey and Mahomes get back together. Uh, let me ask you, I got about a minute here. Niners and Lions. What do you trust more? Jared Goff going on the road or Brock Purdy in the postseason at all? What do you trust more? Oh, yeah. oh wait, 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 wait. Brock Purdy in the postseason has been very good. Okay, wasn't very good I'm last. Sure. Wasn't very good last week. I mean, and no, I love him, but no. What I don't trust. What I don't trust is Brock Purdy in the rain. He's played two games in the rain. And he's been terrible. Mm-hmm. Cleveland earlier this season and this one. I mean, the kid grew up in Arizona. Okay, <laughs> never rains. Right. He threw. He threw a dry ball every every time he ever played a football True. game. Right. And and Iowa. You know. Okay. There's bad weather in Iowa, but I don't know how many bad weather games he played. Right. But he can't throw the ball in the rain. It's just. It's just clear. If the, the weather's clear on Sunday in San Francisco, Brock Purdy will be fine. Um, and Jared Goff I, has has some stress here. The biggest thing to me is is a 49er defensive line needs to show up because they haven't been good. You talk about Brock Purdy all you want, how he wasn't very good last week. Yeah, they're not they're not sealing the deal with the part of the team that they paid the most money for. They paid for guys like Hargraves and Armstead and Bosa. They got those guys have to close the deal. So you think the Niners win? I think the Niners win, okay. but there's a, there is a scenario where Detroit can win. Jason Cole, always appreciate it, my friend. We'll talk to you later. Be good. Sports wrap rolls along on this Friday. Thank you to Jason Cole, Hall of Fame football selector for hanging out with us and talking about this weekend's games let's shift gears (laughs) and i mean really shift gears uh let's talk some nba and some wrestling uh robin lumberg uh does a terrific job si now uh i worked with him back in the day at, at espn radio in new york when i was just telling him off the air i hated him when I worked at ESPN Radio in New York, which is the funniest thing. I wasn't there that long, so and I never even barely met the guy while I was there, so I don't know why I hated him. Uh, oh, it's because he got a job and I did. Um, but I love, I, I, I've, I've grown to love him, as I was saying to him off the air, um, in terms of his, his on-air product and, and just sort of his being on the air. I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, so I wanted to get him on today to talk about some NBA and talk about some wrestling. The Robin Lungberg uh, YouTube channel. He also had a, a podcast and a show on there called The Needle, which I was watching the other day. And I've got to call you out on something that you said on, on the wrestling podcast a little later on. But I want to talk some NBA. 
Um, especially there in New York, because you're you're out, you're out there in the in the Big Apple, uh, my second home. And you know the Knicks are a, a fascinating team to watch right now. I love the Ananobi deal. Uh, they were probably hoping to be in on Siakam. He goes to the Pacers. There are a lot of people that think this Knicks team is good, really good, but doesn't have the horses to compete with the Bostons, Milwaukee's, Philadelphia's of the world, maybe even Cleveland, if you want to put Cleveland in that tier. I don't necessarily do. Um, What do you make of where we are with the Knicks at the halfway point of the season? I I think the Knicks are in that mix. I mean, look, the the Knicks got rid of Cleveland last year, so I I wouldn't say that the Cavs are are any better. In in fact, the Knicks have gotten better and the Cavs have not. I agree. Look at some of those other teams. Um, the Bucks just fired their coach. I mean, I know they have a good record, but it, it can't exactly be a, a bastion of, of stability when you're firing your coach at that point in the year. Um, you know, here's the thing with the NBA nowadays, Jason, and, and I, I think we haven't really adjusted to it, but it is now a league of parity, and it is no longer a dynastic superstar league. You need superstars. You need stars on your team. You need great players just like you do in any sport. But we, we got so accustomed to these star stacking. But how has that worked out in recent times? I mean, you could point to the Nets. You can point to a, a lot of these situations where the, the team gets even the Suns right now. I mean, remains to be seen. They could still have success. But I don't think anybody looks at them as the prohibitive favorite in the Western Conference like they might have five, ten years ago. So I, I think we just haven't quite adjusted to that because we're so used to it being big threes or these these Hall of Fame duos, and then the team wins the, the title three out of four years or goes to the finals, you know, two, two, three years in a row, when really now you've got a whole group of teams that are kind of at the same level and the New York Knicks belong in that mix. Um, I got to ask you a question because I went off on Wednesday on the show, and I, I, I really went off because I, I've been bottling it up for a long time. I think Doc Rivers is the most overhyped, oversold coach that, that's out there when you talk about big names. He won one title in Boston with, and again, you want to talk about a big three, you know, three Hall of Famers. He won one title, went to L.A., failure, goes to Philadelphia, failure. Now he gets the job in Milwaukee. We'll see what happens. I don't think he's as good as everybody tries to make him out to be. I didn't like the way he left the Celtics when they decided they were rebuilding. He was like, peace out. I'm out of here. Um, give me, give me your thought on, on doc and sort of your impressions of, of what he is and, and what he might not be. Yeah. I mean, look, I I think, does he have shortcomings? Sure. Um, has he blown leads in series? Yes. Has he not won? Uh, but here's the thing. I think he's a good coach and I've gotten, um, a little bit more accustomed to not judging things by the championship only result. Because only one team does that. I mean, if you go back and look at a Celtics tenure, yes, they won a title. The next year, they went to Game 7 in the NBA Finals, as close as you can get to winning another title. I don't think that Clippers team was ever good enough to win a championship. I mean, I know, you know, they had Lob City and whatnot. They had no wing players on those teams over those years. So, uh, do I think Doc is perfect? Absolutely not. But he gets the treatment. But he gets the treatment of a guy that's won a few titles, and he hasn't. Well, he's won a lot, though. He's sort of, you know who he's sort of comparable to? I'll bring it up because this guy's been, like, Mike McCarthy gets destroyed by people all the time. But if you just, like, if you were on Indeed.com for football 
and yeah. somebody sent you Mike McCarthy's resume, and you were like, oh, this guy's won 65% of his games <laughs> over 17 years, has won a Super Bowl, left that job, and won 12 games three years in a row as the coach of the next team. You can't, like, say he's a bad coach, right? right? And the same goes for Doc Rivers. He's, other than the very beginning of his career, he's won more than he's lost everywhere he's been. He's coached some of the biggest stars. So it, do I have the utmost faith that, in a tight playoff series, he might not get out coached by Eric Spolstra. No, right? But do I think he is better than the vast majority of people who have ever done that job? Yes. Uh, what do you What do you make of Wemby's rookie year so far? Because uh, you know it's funny. The other night, Embiid scores seventy, and I think Wemby had like thirty three in that game, which nobody probably would talk about. But you look at this kid, who's you know who is really just a kid still, who's still growing, still figuring out you know his body and and trying to you know body up to some of these bigger NBA players. And you see him get pushed around sometimes. Certainly against Embiid, we saw that the other night. Uh, I'd love to hear your your take sort of on Wemby year one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's in a bad spot with the Spurs. Everybody said he was going to be in a great spot with the Spurs, but it's tough because Popovich has, has um, you know, it, he, he's been one of the greatest, if not the greatest coach of all time. He's in that conversation, certainly. But I don't think he's in his prime in what he's doing. And more importantly, they don't have a lead guard on that team. Mm. So I've watched some games where it's, like, incredibly frustrating. It's like, get this guy the ball. He, he's running the floor. They're not finding him for the lob. He, he's sealing his man. They're not dumping it to him on the block. He's popping out. He's not getting the catch and shoot when he's in rhythm. And he still wound up producing. And, and to your point, super, super young. So super, super young. Seems to have a really good head on his shoulders. And obviously is prodigiously talented. I, I think, and I hate even putting this into the universe, but I have to be honest. My only concern with him is injury. And, and that's the case with everybody who's like freakishly tall like that, because all those guys tend to have some sort of lower extremity thing with the feet or the <laughs> knee at some point in their career. I mean, look yeah. at even Joel Embiid was out the first couple of years of his career. Chet Holmgren was hurt the first year of his career. We've seen that. So that's my biggest concern with Wembenyama. I, I think right now the thing that's holding him back the most is just the lack of talent around him, particularly at the position to get him in position to succeed. Uh, Robin Lumberg is hanging out with us. He is uh, on YouTube, the Robin Lumberg channel. He's also got The Needle, uh, a wrestling podcast, which you can also watch on YouTube. I was watching it last night, which is part of the reason why I also wanted to get him on today. We're going to talk about some wrestling. The Royal Rumble is this weekend. All sorts of news with WWE. We'll get to it next as we continue on Sports Wrap. Attention families with a loved one in a nursing home. If your loved one has suffered from bed sores, falls, broken bones, dehydration, or even death, you may be entitled to a substantial settlement. If you have a loved one who was injured in a nursing home, we will find out what happened. State violations are found against nursing homes every day. You have a limited time to file your claim, so don't wait. Call 800-398-5999 and speak with one of our attorneys. The call is confidential and free. We roll along on this Friday edition of Sports Wrap, chatting with Robin Lumberg. Uh, YouTube channel, the Robin Lumberg YouTube channel. Uh, he's got The Needle, uh, a wrestling podcast, which is part of the reason why I wanted to get him on today. We have not done a single thing on wrestling other than when CM Punk came back. Um, I made a mention of it. Um, also, SI Now. 
and and we don't need to go into the SI stuff, which is just a mess right now. Uh, I think of you guys over there every day. So so let's talk about wrestling. And first of all, I got to bring this up. I was watching. I just happened to flip over and, and check out your your wrestling show on uh, YouTube and and the podcast as well. And you guys were talking about. Should Hulk Hogan be in the Royal Rumble? Now, come on. I grew up with Hulk Hogan. I don't know. You're probably around my age. I'm 46. I, and, and I mean, I have always said there, I, there are very few people who will die that I'll cry the day they die. Hulk Hogan is one of those people that the day he dies, I will like just I'll be in mourning for days walking around black cloak on my head, that sort of thing. But he's 70 years old. We can't have him in the Royal Rumble. Come on. Well, look, the Royal Rumble is the only match I think he could be in because of the nature of it. Obviously, he's too old to compete in a one-on-one match or even a tag match where he's out there isolated. But really, what would be the function of Hulk Hogan in the Royal Rumble? It would be 10, 9, 8, 7, then dirt, dirt. Yeah, he comes yeah. out, the crowd cheers, he walks into the ring, maybe, you know, somebody punches him, he does the finger wag, hits them back, somebody throws him out. And that's the end of the story. Just make sure he doesn't die on the, the being thrown over the yes, top rope. he's 70 years old. He can't, that's the problem. The only way out of the Royal Rumble is over the top rope. If a 70-year-old man goes over the top rope, unless you have him falling on other people, it's over. But you could do that. I mean, that's obviously certainly an option. You could have people who had just been eliminated catch him, right? Yeah. And then he maybe a couple of guys who you you don't care to elevate that much, and then he beats them up on the way out back to the the ramp or, or whatnot. But <laughs> th- that's the point. He he did the promo for it on Raw. Yeah, I saw. I believe it. it was, and he said maybe I'll be. You know, you never know. I might have one more in me. And if he was ever going to do it, especially with this being the 40th anniversary of Hulkamania. There's no better venue in, than the Royal Rumble. That was basically the point I was making because it's the only feasible option for him. This was a wild week for WWE. I mean, just next level stuff. Uh, beginning of the week, you get the news about Netflix uh, taking over the Monday Night Raw deal in January 2025. Then you get the news at the end of the week yesterday, and I literally just crossed again as an alert on ESPN on my phone. WWE employee files federal lawsuit accusing Vince McMahon of sexual misconduct, including offering her to wrestlers for sex, basically sex trafficking. I mean, if there's anything that encapsulates what WWE is, it's this last week, Robin. Well, Vince McMahon is one of the more complicated fascinating, revolting characters (laughs) of all time. Like, you know, I think Netflix already had the rights to the documentary, and that's going to be a serious documentary because um, I understand why people would would hate Vince McMahon. Like, I mean, there's plenty of stuff out there that that it's just, you know, simple uh, why people would feel that way. At the same time, he's probably the most influential person in the history of professional wrestling. I think the... Saving grace for WWE in this instance is they kind of already had cut ties with him. You know, TKO took over and and now Nick Khan and, and Triple H are the faces of it. And Vince McMahon will always be associated. He's with on WWE. the board. He's still yeah. on the board. And, and interestingly, Triple H voted against the idea of him returning to the board. Exactly. So I think, you know, they they knew these shoes were set to drop. I mean, Vince McMahon operated in a different day and time and is maybe one of the most uncancelable people of all time. Like it's Trump McMahon. Who else is like, you know, purely uncancelable. Maybe Dana White. Maybe Dana White. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a select few. It's a select group, but obviously the new parent company 
and the new regime want really nothing to do with him. That's why they they kind of made him a sacrificial. Well, he he did it to himself, but they put it out there. I think before all this stuff happened, because most people aren't going. Is Vince McMahon still on the board? It's all the like inner working. They sort of saw that separation. They haven't seen that character on television. So I think WWE will be able to withstand this sort of news a lot more easily because of that versus if it had been five, six years ago when Vince McMahon was still running everything and had his his fingerprints on the the active product. I got about two minutes here. Um, Who wins the Royal Rumble this weekend? I think on the men's side, you got to have, I mean, it's CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, or Gunther. It's one of those three guys. I could see Gunther throwing those two out, and then that's that CM Punk and Cody Rhodes up for WrestleMania with Gunther going after Seth Rollins. I could see Punk winning um, and going after Seth Rollins, and then, of course, you could see Cody winning and going after Roman Reigns. But I'll go with Gunther. On on the women's side, I'll say Becky Lynch throws out Nia Jax to win. Anybody throwing Nia Jax out is a a hell of a feat. Um, I I think it's CM Punk. I don't think you go and make the move they made to go get him and drag that thing out, especially because with Punk, you don't know how long the shelf life is. When you watch what happened over in AEW, you got to kind of hit it with him quick because there could be some sort of blow up that leads to him having to leave. Sure. The the wild card is The Rock, because mm. if The Rock wants to go at WrestleMania, they have to do Rock Roman just from a a business standpoint. It'd be foolish not to, the amount of media coverage they'd get. So if that happens, what do you do with Cody? And what do you do with Punk? To me, the biggest thing you could do is put those two guys together. Yeah, I I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches right now over at at WWE. And uh, I I occasionally turn on uh, AEW and I see Samoa Joe over there. That's about it. There's a, there's a much more to get me all that excited about that. Robin Lumberg, uh, the the Needle uh, podcast. You can find that on YouTube, talking about wrestling. Uh, he's also going to be doing some other things over there on his Robin Lumberg channel. He's still with SI Now, as long as there is still SI Now. Robin, I always appreciate it, my friend. Uh, much success to you, and let's be in touch down the line. Sounds good, man. Thank you. We're coming back. My dad's name was David. He always talked about getting life insurance, and now it's too late. No one was expecting my husband, Dave, to suffer from a heart attack. We didn't have life insurance. We thought we had more time. Don't be Dave, and don't wait until it's too late to get the life insurance coverage you need. And if you don't have enough insurance to cover funeral costs, credit card debt, and other expenses, your family is going to get stuck with the bill. Call now to get affordable life insurance. Just call. 800-846-3166. If you're over 50, you can't be turned down for this insurance regardless of your health. Plus, there's no medical exam, no health questions. Your rate will never go up. Your coverage will never go down. And rates start as low as $5 a week. Remember, don't be Dave. Call now. Call now. 800-846-3166. This Friday edition of the show continues. Uh, Know something to consider today. Because we had a busy show. Jason Cole, Robin Lumberg... Lundberg. Odds and ends is right around the corner. But first, it's time for Paige. 
versus the Prince. Let's just let that sit there for a second. Sammy Arnell is here, ladies and gentlemen. He is the Prince of Picks. He has been very good here in the postseason. There's just no getting around that. I I will I will bow at the altar of the Prince. He has been very good in this postseason. The question is not what you've done. It's what are you going to do? Because it's not about what you've done. It's what have you done for me lately? It's what are you going to do for me? Nobody cares about what you've won. They want to know what you're going to win. So with that being said, Sam Yarnell, this battle of pick supremacy, the penultimate edition of Page versus the Prince, you lead things off, sir. Have at it. All right, Jason. Well, I guess we'll start. We'll go chronological order, sure, right? We'll why start not? with the AFC game. Uh, quite simply, I'm laying the three and a half with the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is going to be a Lamar Jackson coming out party. I think J- people like Jason have come around on Lamar Jackson because of this season. Uh, and I think this game quite frankly, ultimately puts to bed all the narratives from early in his career that we see people continue to go back to time and time again. Uh, I think this is the end of those days for Lamar Jackson. I think he goes to his first ever Super Bowl on the way to winning the MVP again this year. I think Mark Andrews probably catches a touchdown in this game. I also like the over in terms of the total. All of that said, my one of my favorite plays in this game, probably my second favorite behind the Ravens minus the three and a half, has got to be the first quarter total over seven and a half. Uh, I got it at plus money. It's now minus one or two over with our friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook. I really just think that both of these teams are going to come out and want to score early. And I think they're going to go for big plays early. And obviously we know that leads to a lot of turnovers. So I'm going with the Ravens in that game. The over, give me an Andrews touchdown, but more importantly, the over seven and a half in the first quarter. I'm not big on the over and a half. Uh, seven. See, I can see it going the opposite way. Nerves, it's tight. You know, the got you, you see offenses struggle in the early going sometimes. Sometimes it goes the other way when you get the you know the first ten plays are scripted and, and teams will run down the field and score a quick touchdown. That does that sort of thing does happen. Uh but I, I don't necessarily think I like that that seven and a half. I could see three three. I could see six three. Well that would go over though. Three three, you know, I could see I could see, but I, I I would tend to lean under the under the seven and a half. We'll we'll have to wait and see. What I'll say about your six three point there is one thing I could see (laughs) is a three three first quarter Mm. with one of the teams driving towards the end of the quarter in field goal range, but the clock runs out. That's the way that I think we could get burned the most. Let me tell you, I don't like the total in this game. I would not touch it. The only thing I like is Kansas City plus three and a half. I think both of these games this weekend are going to be close uh, on Sunday. I really do. I think they're going to be seven points or less. Um, so it kind of gives you an idea of what I'm thinking. I like Kansas City in this game. You got to beat the champs. You don't know what you don't know. And this version, this version of this football team doesn't know this position. They don't know what it's like to be in this spot. So to me, I'm still going with Kansas City. I like the Chiefs plus three and a half. I don't love them, but I like them plus three and a half. Uh, Game number two, San Francisco at home in Santa Clara against the Lions for the NFC 
championship and a trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, I'll go first on this one since you went first on the last one. I like the Lions plus seven. I do think San Francisco wins, but I think it's going to be by a touchdown or less. I would love it at seven and a half. I would buy it up to seven and a half and take the Lions there. Um, you know, by that half point, by the hook, as they would say. Um, but I like the Lions plus seven in this game. Again, don't love them plus seven, but I like them plus seven. I also think the total is high in this game. It's like 54 and a half, something like that. I like the under. I'm not big, I'm not big on the total in that game. I think it was 54 and a half the last time I looked at it. Um, 51 and a half. 51 and a half? 50. Okay. Okay. It I, opened 50 and a half. It got bet up to 51 okay. and a half. I, I like it under. I like the under 51 and a half. I don't love it. I don't love either of these games this weekend, to be quite honest. Uh, but I will. <laughs> okay, I don't. Sam Yarnell. I know. We get I sound it. like you. I, I sound like you, but it's truth. I, I think a lot of variables. If there's one game I think could go sideways, it's Detroit with San Francisco winning big. And the reason I say that is Jared Goff Ooh. on the road. And again, a Lions team that you, you don't know what you don't know. Group of players haven't been in this position before outside of Jared Goff, but we know what Goff is on the road. You know, uh, uh, as far as uh, the head coach, sort of a rookie in this situation as well. Sam, go ahead. I'm going with the Lions. Uh, I love them plus the seven. I'll sprinkle on the money line. I don't see San Francisco winning this game by wow. more than six points. Uh, in terms of the total, I actually think there are exactly 51 points scored in this game. I liked the over at 50 and a half, and I like the under at 51 and a half. So I might have to get around some exact score bets and try to find some exact totals of 50, 51, because I, I just think that it's going to be it's going to be one of those key number games. In the end, though, I think the Lions I think the Lions have a real shot in this game. I think we are going to get a Ravens Lions Super Bowl. Wow. I find it hard to believe we're going to get Ravens. I think it's going to be 49ers in Kansas City. Um, I feel like that's what we're... I know. I feel like that's what we're set up for. We'll have to wait and see. That is Paige versus the Prince. Sam, have a wonderful conference championship weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. Let's talk winners then. We will be talking big time winners then. We're coming back. It's time to wrap things up for this Friday edition of the show. And without any further delay, time for odds and ends. Mark Andrews going to be coming back. It's official. Activated by the Baltimore Ravens. Look, I think it's a great story that he's made it back. And obviously their deep run into the postseason has allowed for this. But here's the thing. Don't screw around with a good thing. And I know he can only enhance what they're doing. And even just having him out there on the field means he has to be accounted for. But look at Isaiah Likely's numbers in Mark Andrews' stead while he's been dealing with this this ankle injury that we thought was going to knock him out for the entire season. Don't just go away from Isaiah Likely uh, because we've seen Mark Andrews return here. Just a word of caution uh, if you're the Baltimore Ravens this weekend, likely has been so good. News from golf, and this is a really cool story. Um, Anthony Kim, last one on the PGA Tour, I believe it was 2010, walked away from the sport in 2012. He is now 38 years old. 
Um, he left the game because he had a number of injury issues. I, I think a torn Achilles or something like that was um, was one of them. He ruptured his Achilles. He now is talking about a comeback. He's working out, trying to get himself back into shape. I actually was talking to a former PGA Tour player on uh, on X. He says he'll believe it when he sees it. But why would Anthony Kim be bringing up this possibility of a return to the PGA Tour um, if he wasn't intending on returning to the PGA Tour? Another thing to look out for in this story, though, Live Golf. Live Golf has reportedly extended a one-year offer to Anthony Kim. And again, they have spots to fill out on some of their teams for the upcoming season. Does Anthony Kim take the big, big money? Because he has to pay back an insurance disability payment that's somewhere between 10 and $20 million that he got when he walked away from the game because of injury. Now, if he comes back, he has to pay that back. Does the sure money from Live Golf, does he take it? Not sure. He's also talking with the PGA Tour. We'll see what happens. Um, I also think it's worth mentioning, though, that if you're the PGA Tour and, you know, you're going through this battle with Live Golf, you know, it, it kind of makes me wonder if they really want to go gung-ho after Anthony Kim here. Um, we've seen what's transpired in this battle between Live and PGA Tour. They're supposed to be getting on the same page and coming together on a deal. Has it happened yet? Watch this space. We'll obviously keep an eye on it. All right. Anybody who knows me knows I love women's basketball. It is the purest, most true form of basketball, the way Naismith sort of um, designed the game to be played. It is the most fundamentally sound kind of basketball. So I love women's basketball. Having grown up in Connecticut, UConn women's basketball team, all of that good stuff, uh, I'm obviously a fan as well. That brings us to this final story for the week. Stephen Curry in his game on Thursday night against the Kings, was talking during the pregame uh, with one of his teammates, Brendan Podzenski, I believe it was. And he was talking about, hey, who's had, you know, the best performance ever in a three-point shootout? And Podzenski said, Sabrina. Talking about Sabrina Ionescu, who plays for the New York Liberty of the WNBA. And that would be correct. So now there is this conversation brewing uh, and Ionescu obviously saw her name mentioned and saw the video of them talking about it and said, hey, I'm down. Let's have a three-point shootout. Now Curry might be up for it. So we could get um, this three-point shootout between two of the best shooters in all of basketball, that being Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu. But can I just broaden this out a little bit? How about Caitlin Clark? And I, don't, I hate saying this because I know I'll get crushed by women who will say, no, she's just Caitlin Clark. But she is the female Stephen Curry. She can shoot it from anywhere in the gym at any time. And we've seen her doing some amazing things uh, if you've been, been watching women's college basketball this year and last year and, and frankly, the year before that and her entire time, um, you know, playing. So to me... Why wouldn't you want to get Caitlin Clark involved in this too? I know then there's two women versus one guy, and the whole idea is to have it be one-on-one -on -one between Curry and uh, Sabrina Inescu. But when I watch what Sabrina Inescu uh, has been doing 
uh, and watch what Caitlin Clark has been doing. I don't know how you have any conversation about best shooters in basketball, male or female, and not have um, Caitlin Clark in the conversation. She has been outstanding. By the way, Warriors lost a tough game last night. I don't know if anybody saw it, but they lost a tough one at the buzzer, and it was the ball in Steph Curry's hands to finish that game and try to get them a win, and he turned it over uh, in a double team. And even more interesting to note at the end of that game, and we'll leave you with this, in his post-game press conference, Curry kind of went after Steve Kerr. He did it very quietly, but he said, hey, maybe we should have called a timeout there rather than me being trapped with the ball and then turning it over. Maybe there should have been a timeout called. Kind of interesting that Curry um, said that. Something to watch as we continue to see this warrior season that has unraveled. It's had its share of tragedy and heartache. Um, Just something to keep an eye on. But the Curry and Eskew three-point shootout, that'd be fun. I'm sure it's something they could do for charity and everybody uh, would win in the end. That's going to do it for us. Thank you to Jason Cole. Thank you to Robin Lumberg, Sam Yarnell. I'm Jason Page. We'll see you back here next week. Enjoy Conference Championship Weekend.